Oh, good morning. <laughs> Again, as Jeff said, I'm Matty Steele. I'm uh, a Moreland student, just on, on placement here for, for five weeks. And it, it's great at Moreland. Like, they, they do give you a brilliant opportunity to go, well, around the, around the world. I came to Sunderland. I've got friends who have gone out to Florida. <laughs> I don't know. Who got the best deal, right? But it, it's great to go and learn off different people, and, and you pick up ideas. You, you just build up this, this bank. Um, they, they might, that's going to be useful for the future. I, before I went to Moreland, I worked in Warrington. It's like near Manchester, um, a church there, working with the youth group. And uh, as part of that, we used to put on a monthly youth event uh, where, we, where all the young people come together and worship and, and spend time meeting each other and in, encouraging one another. And as, as part of that, we used to do like a, an advert. We used to film an advert and we used to um, do like a, a news program to tell young people what's coming up in, in the month. And having just said that, I love working with different people. So my work colleagues, colleagues at that time, as we were putting these videos together, were all under the age of 16, which meant that everything took 10 times longer than it should have. Like, honestly, right, like, this was like a four-minute news report, and it, it took, uh, well, you're talking three or four hours normally. I remember one time it took us 45 minutes just to do the welcome, just to say hello and welcome to our news. Like it was, they'd, they'd be giggling, the, the amount of inappropriate comments that were coming out. I was like 16-year-old lads, right? Like, but, you know, me, me and my boss, the youth worker, we, we could have just rattled off a news programme in a couple of takes, maybe. But we wanted the young people involved. Like, we wanted to help them to grow and to encourage them. We wanted them involved in the youth work of the church, even though at times it just took forever and they were messing on and it was always ridiculously frustrating. <laughs> we wanted them involved in what we were doing. And in the passage that we're going through at the moment, we've got God speaking to Moses. And God is committed to working with and through Moses in what he's going to do on earth. God is committed to working with and through Moses despite his objections, despite his, his like, mournings about his weaknesses, despite his pure stubbornness. <laughs> God is committed to working with and through Moses because God has chosen to work with and through ordinary humans in what he wants to do on this earth. God could have just went down with a big army of angels, picked up the Israelites and legged it. He could have, no problem. But that's not the way God has chosen to do things. He's chosen to work with and through humans. That's the immense privilege and responsibility and that's what we're going to be looking at over, this, over the course of this passage. So we're in Exodus 4. Um, we're just going to be running right the way through it. First of all, I'll just recap on, on what we did last week. So we're still with Moses at the burning bush. If you remember, Moses was out looking after his father's, father-in-law's flocks of sheep and he saw this bush that was on fire. So he went over to have a look at the, this bush and out from the bush, uh, bush, a voice cried, Moses, Moses, here I am, Moses said. And then God began to explain how he'd heard the Israelites crying in Egypt because they, they were in slavery. And God explained that he's going to use Moses to bring the Israelites out of slavery into the promised land. And Moses said, well, who am I to go to Pharaoh? God said, I'm going to be with you. And then, and then, and then Moses comes up with a, another question, like, who should I say has sent me? And that's when God gives that incredible revelation. Like, I am who I am say, I am, has sent you. So the God who always has been, the God who is, the God who always will be, the God of their fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, that is the God that is with Moses. Despite all of this, 
Moses comes back with another response. First, first one. Moses answered, What if they do not believe me or listen to me and say, The Lord did not appear to you? Basically, Moses is seriously doubting that he's even going to get a second with the Israelites. You know, he doesn't even think that they, they're going to believe him at all. They're not going to trust him. And if they don't trust him, they won't believe that he's had this encounter with God and they won't believe the message that he's bringing from God. Because if you can remember, Moses didn't exactly leave in the best of circumstances with the Egyptians or with the Israelites. The, the king of Egypt, Pharaoh, had put a death sentence over Moses because he'd killed an Egyptian. And Moses, his last, his last interaction with the Israelite people, he went to try and break up a fight. And the Israelites turned around to him and said, who are you to judge us? So from the, with the Egyptians or with the Israelites, Moses isn't exactly on the best of terms. Plus, he's been away for like a good few years at this point. Moses doesn't think at all that he's, he's going to get a say. He doesn't think that they're going to trust him or believe him, believe that he's had this encounter and believe the message that he's bringing. So God gives Moses three signs. The first one, verse 2. Then the Lord said to him, What is that in your hand? A staff, he replied. So God takes like this ordinary wooden staff, the shepherd's staff, and then he does something amazing with it. Verse 3. The Lord said, Throw it on the ground. Moses threw it on the ground, and it became a snake. He ran from it. Then the Lord said to him, Reach out your hand and take it by the tail. So Moses reached out his hand and took hold of the snake, and it turned back into a staff. God took this plain old dead wooden shepherd's staff and he did something amazing with it. God took what, ha- what Moses had on his person at the time and did something incredible. He turned it into something living and then turned it back again. Now, this is, this is a, out of the three signs, this is the one that I really want to focus on um, because today like, we're just going to be really thinking about what it is to co-partner with God and how God wants to co-partner with us in what he's doing on earth. And this one really brings out some key, key aspects to that co-partnership. So with Moses, the first thing he had to do was he had to identify what was in his hand. God said, what is in your hand? A staff, Moses replies. I hear so many Christians like, around the place who, who don't think they have anything in their hands or what they do have in their hands, they don't think is worth anything, or is going to be useful to God. Moses had a walking stick. Like, you are all gifted. By definition, as a Christian, you are gifted. You all have something in your hands. And every single one of you, as a child of God, God wants to be involved in the work of his kingdom. You all have something in your hands. No matter how ordinary you may think it is, you all have something in your hands. Identify it. Ephesians 2 verse 10 says that for you are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for you to do. You were created to do good works. By definition, as a Christian, you were created to do good works and God has prepared these good works for you to do. You are gifted. You all have something to offer. Identify it. The second thing Moses did was offer it. God said, what is in your hand? A staff, Moses replied. Throw it on the ground. So Moses threw it on the ground. He he took what was in his hand and he gave it over to God. Moses had 
No idea what was going to happen, if anything was going to happen. So he just threw it on the ground. He gave it over to God. Once we've identified what's in our hand, what God has given us, like time, resource, giftings, uh, position in a certain place, influence in, in a workplace, friendships, whatever it might be, we offer it back to God. And this can be scary. Like This requires us to trust God. Because maybe for some of us who are maybe like established in a gift, we might be scared that, that nothing's going to happen. Others, 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 let's go for that, um, might think, man, if I offer this to God, something big might happen, and I'm not sure what, if I can deal with that. But trust God. He wants you involved in what he's doing. So identify what's in your hand. Offer it to God. And then the third thing, obedience. Moses obeyed God at every single step. Again, with, with no certainty or no explanation of what was going to happen next. God said, what's in your hand? A staff. Throw it on the ground. So Moses threw it on the ground. Turned into a snake. Then God said, pick it back up. So Moses picked it back up. At every step, Moses was obedient to God with what he had in his hand, what God had given him. And we too, like, obedience is, is key to this core partnership with God. So, you see there, God takes something ordinary, like a wooden shepherd's staff, and does something amazing with it. God can take the ordinary things, the seemingly ordinary things that you have, and do something amazing with it. And you all have something in your hand. You all have something to offer God. Offer it to him in obedience, and just see what amazing things God does with that. The the next uh, couple of signs... Verse 4 or 5, the Lord said to him, oh, oh this is a, a miracle again, we'll go on to 6 and 7. The Lord said, put your hand inside your cloak. So Moses put his hand into his cloak, and when he took it out, the skin was leprous. We're not really sure if it was exactly leprosy, it was definitely some sort of skin disease. Whatever it was, it wasn't pretty. It became as white as snow. Now put it back into your cloak, he said. So Moses put his hand back into his cloak, and when he took it out, it was restored like the rest of his flesh. Again, God did something... Amazing, like just with, with a hand, showing his power, showing Moses that he is the God of the miraculous. He's the God of transformation. Verse 8, Then the Lord said, If they do not believe you or pay attention to the first sign, they may believe the second. But if they do not believe these two signs, I'll listen to you, take some water from the Nile and pour it on the dry ground. The water you take from the river will become blood on the ground. The, the Nile for the Egyptians at the time was he was worshipped as a god. And, and our god here is showing that he is above and beyond. He has power over any god, any nation, any authority, any government, any idea. He has power over that. You see here though, like, God takes the ordinary things, a wooden staff, a hand, some water, and does something amazing with it again. Showing us, showing Moses and us that he is a god of the miraculous. He can take the ordinary things and do something amazing with it. Again, as God's children, you all have something to offer God. Identify it, offer it to God, be obedient to him, and just see what he does. You know, one of the most wonderful things that I've seen over the last year, um, like when I'm working down in Bournemouth, I work with the guys caught caught up in addictions and with the homeless guys and guys in recovery. Uh, And we had a lad um, come through recovery I've come up to about a year now. He became a Christian in the summer. He was baptised in November. 
And, and before, before he was a Christian, he was known around Bournemouth for being a bit of a loudmouth, like getting himself into trouble with his, just yapping all the time, people couldn't shut him up. But now, he's a loudmouth for Jesus. Like, you just cannot shut him up trying to tell people about Jesus. He's, he's got a reputation in his recovery groups about constantly talking about Jesus. He's got to talk what he had in his hand, what he had on his person, and he's using it now for his glory. That's awesome. It's, it's so funny to see, I tell you. Man. So, right, we'll carry on. Um, so, God is the God of the miraculous. He's a God of transformation. He can take the ordinary stuff that we've got and do something amazing with it for his glory. Second thing, God is the God of conversation. And, and on these, these two things, I, I wanted to like, lay, lay these two things, the God of, God, God of miraculous and the God of conversation, as foundations for us understanding the God of cooperation. So, co-partnership even. So verse 10. Moses said to the Lord, Pardon your servant, Lord. I have never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since you have spoken to your servant. I am slow of speech and tongue. The Lord said to him, Who gave human beings their mouths? Who makes them deaf or mute? Who gives them sight or makes them blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go, I will help you speak and will teach you what to say. But Moses said, Pardon your servant, Lord. Please send someone else. So here we see another two objections from Moses. First of all, I can't speak very well. And then just pure stubbornness. I don't want to go send someone else. And we're going, to look, we're going to look at those in a bit. But I just want us to stop for a second and remind ourselves of the two parties that are involved in this conversation. Because certainly at this point in the passage, I, I'd let that slip to the back of my mind. Like This is not me making excuses or objections to Joel about why I don't want to make her a cup of coffee. Like, this is a shepherd called Moses responding to, making objections to, having a conversation with the God who created the universe, the almighty God. Like, and there, there's definitely a, a difference in power like, in the, between these two parties, between Moses and God. There's, it's always God that initiates the miracle or promises the final outcome. But in terms of like, standing in the conversation... In, in terms of the right to speak and the right to question and the right to respond, you'll be forgiven for thinking that this is a conversation between equals. Moses has shown us here that, that our God is a God of conversation. Moses wrote the Torah, what we call the Torah, so that's Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. And this God of conversation runs right the way through. Like Adam and Eve, Genesis 1, we have... We have Adam and Eve walking and talking with God in the garden. He even makes reference to a guy called Enoch, who, who didn't actually die. He was taken up to heaven. And he was known as a man who walked with God. You've got Abraham, who frequently spoke with God, even negotiating with him. You have Jacob, who wrestled with God. And, and Moses, as you go through Exodus, whenever Moses was, um, like needed help or wisdom or guidance on a certain thing, the phrase that was used was he would, he would go and inquire of the Lord. In Exodus 33:11, it speaks of how the Lord would speak to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. Our God is a God of conversation. He's not a God who just stays far off and distant and lets things run as they are or divinely intervenes. He's a God of conversation. The almighty God of the universe who will speak to his people and work with and through them to bring about the things that he wants to happen on earth. 
Well, I just wanted to really, really focus on that because I think it's, it's, it's so important in this core partnership with God. And there's so, many, there's, there's so much I could talk about in terms of um, prayer and, and our core partnership with God. Like we just heard about a couple of miracles and, and people coming to know Jesus to answer prayer. And that is certainly, like, intercessory prayer is a huge part of our core partnership with God. Like, keep praying for stuff because when we pray, stuff happens. But there's one aspect of prayer that I really want us to have a think about here re- relating to like, our giftings and the, and the tasks that God calls us to. Because Moses in this passage, he brings objections and his objections are always because he focuses on the wrong thing. Like, he focuses on the size of the task or he focuses on um, his, his own weaknesses. Like, in, um, in verse 10, Moses said to the Lord, Pardon your servant, Lord. I have never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since you have spoken to your servant. I am slow of speech and tongue. Moses here is focusing on his weaknesses. And often in our conversation with God, in, in prayer, we come to God first of all with our weaknesses, with our problems, with the, the difficulty of the task that God has called us to. And we're always going to get into trouble if we do that because it's starting from the wrong place. It gives us a wrong perspective. When we start off with our problems, coming to God with our problems and our, our weaknesses or the size of the task, we can never get a full view of God because those things are the things preoccupying our mind. And we, we try to see God through those problems or through the weaknesses or through the size of the task, but we can never get a full view of God because those things are, are hindering us. We, can, we just get glimpses of God, but the main thing in our, in, at the forefront of our mind is the problems or the weakness or the task. Whereas in our conversation with God, if instead we start off with worship, if we come to God in adoration. We come to God to praise him, to remind ourselves who he is, what he's done and what he's promised to do. That's a different, that gives a different perspective straight away. Because we see that our God is big. We see that he is the God who created the universe, the God of power, the God of the miraculous, the, the, the God of wonders, the God who does desire to work through us the God who is going to be with us, the God who loves us, the God who is our Father. And when when that big God is in the picture, when we come to that big God first, and we look at our problems or the size of the task or our weaknesses, with that big God in the picture, that's a completely different perspective. So in our conversation with God, as we we co-partner with him, come to God first of all to worship him to praise him, to just adore him. And with that big God in the picture, anything is possible. We remind ourselves that God is the God who can take the ordinary stuff and do something amazing with it. We remind ourselves that God is the God who does incredible things. He's the God who transforms lives. He's the God of the miraculous. So in our conversation with God, in prayer, come to him first of all to worship, to praise him and things will flow from that. And I really want, you, want to in, encourage you to keep that conversation going. I mean, do, you, do we realize the privilege that we have there to come to the God who created the universe? Like Moses later on, he gets given a load of laws and a load of requirements that must be fulfilled for, for one person, the high priest, to go into the presence of God once a year. You know, and he's got to wear certain things. He's got to 
he's got to do certain things, rituals must be performed, sacrifices must be offered for one person once a year to go into the presence of God. But Moses here in his face-to-face conversation with God, he's given a glimpse, a foretaste of what is going to be the right, the privilege, the joy of every believer at some point in the future. And we're living in that future. We're living at that, this incredible moment where no longer we have to offer sacrifices because God himself provided the ultimate sacrifice. The stuff that meant that we couldn't have conversation with God was the sin in our life, the wrong stuff that we've done. That was the separation between us and God. But God the Father, who longs for a relationship with us, sent his son Jesus. And Jesus, when he died on the cross, he took all that wrong stuff, that stuff that separated us from God. He took that on himself. And God punished Jesus instead of us. So now when God looks at us, he sees us as pure and perfect. Our sin has been dealt with because of what Jesus has done. And he says to us, come, you're my, you're my child. I'm your father. I want to speak to you. You can speak to me. And I want a co-partner with you in the stuff that I'm doing on earth. So God is the God of the miraculous. He's the God of conversation. And this brings us around to like, just pulling it all together. God being the God of co-partnership. Verse 13 to 16. Moses said, Pardon your servant, Lord. Please send someone else. Then the Lord's anger burned against Moses, and he said, What about your brother, Aaron the Levite? I know he can speak well. He is already on his way to meet you, and he will be glad to see you. You shall speak to him and put words in his mouth. I will help both of you to speak and will teach you what to do. He will speak to the people for you and it will be as if he were your mouth and as if you were God to him. Moses comes with one final objection here. Just just send us someone else, God, please. Like, isn't there anyone else you can send? And I think God gets angry at Moses at this point because with the other objections, God could come back. Like, he could say, here's a miracle or here's a promise that I'm going to be with you or, look, I am going to do this. But with this objection, Moses is just digging his heels in. It's just pure stubbornness. He just does not want to go. Okay, so having Moses come to God and giving that final objection, I don't want to go, does God give up on Moses? No. Because God is committed to working with and through Moses. God is committed to working with and through his people in, in terms of what happens on earth. God could have sent an army of angels to bring the Israelites out. God could have just kicked Moses and, <laughs> and got rid of him and, and, I don't know, just zapped up the Israelites. But he didn't. He, he adapted his plan because he is that committed to working with and through Moses. You know, God won't just do what he wants to do. God has chosen to work with and through humans on earth. If we don't step up and take our responsibility in this core partnership, things won't happen. The kingdom of God won't be realized in the fullness that God desires it to be realized in this city, in this generation, at this point in time. It will not happen if we do not play our part. Moses still had to go. God will not just do what he wants to do. He will not just send an army of angels into Sunderland and shake people into Bethany City Church. 
He sent you. He sent me to Bournemouth to go and love people to Jesus in this core partnership with him. And this is like, this is big stuff. This is really big stuff. But don't get scared. Don't worry. Because remember the two things that we've just laid as foundations, that God is the God of the miraculous. He has gifted you. He's given you stuff in your hands. Stuff that maybe you consider as ordinary. But when offered to God, he can do something amazing with it. He's a God of conversation. He's a God who promises to be with you, to speak to you, to, to listen to you, to your requests and your actions and, and what, you, what you say to him. God is the God of core partnership. And this is, this is a wonderful privilege. This is such a wonderful privilege that we have, that, that God would involve us. You know, just like, like um, my, my young people when we were making those news programs, yes, it was messy. It took longer. You know, maybe things didn't run as smoothly as what I wanted them to. But I wanted those young people involved. Mike Bickle, a guy who um, he, he set up like the International House of Prayer, he speaks about how one time he came, in, came home from work and his wife was washing up with, with one of his children who was like, I don't know, five or six-year-old. And his child was kept on like, he was splashing water everywhere, dropping plates and smashing things. And he turned to his wife and said, oh, couldn't, you, couldn't you have just done it? This would have been done a lot quicker and we'd still have a full set of, full set of plates. But his wife said, no, like, I, I, I want him involved. I want him involved in what I'm doing. Yes, it's messy, but I want him, want him involved. And the same with God. Yes, God could just break open the skies, but he wants you involved. You're his children. And he has chosen to work with and through you in this city, in this generation, at this point in time. If we do not live in agreement with God, if we live lives of impurity, if we live lives of dishonesty, of of hatred, of anger, of unforgiveness, if we do not help the poor, if we do not pray for our workplaces, pray for our families, the kingdom of God will not be realised in the fullness that God wants it to be realised in this city, in this generation, at this point in time. You know, we can't just sit back and think that it's going to happen. God wants us involved. But if we do agree with God in the way that we live, living lives of holiness, of integrity with finance, lives of purity, of honesty, of, of love. If we go and get involved in ministries, if we pray for our workplaces, then the kingdom of God will come and we will see amazing things happen in this city. Well, we've got to go. So, you're equipped. God has given you stuff in your hands. Offer it, identify it, offer it to him, obey him at every single step. Maintain this constant conversation with him. Find that time, that secret place where you can be with God, whether it's walking the dog, getting up early, staying up late, washing up, driving to work. Spend that time where you can be in a constant conversation with God because that will give you the perspective and the expectation that God might just do something today. And then go. Moses went to the Israelites, a people that were broken, a people that were in bondage, in slavery, a people who well, probably didn't really have God on their minds. Now, we've got people out there in this city. I've got some like, precious, beautiful people in Bournemouth who were, who were just so broken, who were in bondage, who were hurting, who like, 
life's beat him up. And God has chosen to use us, his people, his children, to go and lead them out of slavery, to bring them out of bondage, and to show them God, and to bring them back into relationship with the God who loves them, the God who has saved them, the God who will also use them in the wonderful, awesome mission that he is doing on this earth. Bless you guys. Thank you.